0: Hello everyone! Welcome to Random Encounter Two Eight Six or Two Hundred and Eighty Six. Happy Twenty Twenty Four. We're in a brand new year. This is going to be a big one for Random Encounter. We will we will be having our three uh, hundredth episode in just a few months, which is pretty incredible to uh, pretty incredible to think that I've hosted this podcast for three hundred episodes. No, I haven't. I've hosted it for I don't actually know anymore, but I've only hosted it for about. Two years now uh, there is a long chain going back many many years I have trouble thinking of a lot of podcasts that go over 300 episodes so that's incredibly exciting um, personally I rung in my new year by upgrading my PC I went from a 20 uh, I went from a 2600x to a 5800 X 3d I went from 16 gigabytes of RAM to 32 gigabytes and I upgraded my graphics card from a GTX uh 1070 ti to an rx 6950 xt uh and i bought a ton of games that i couldn't previously play on my old system that i've been wanting to play for a while like cyberpunk 2077 uh 2.0 far cry 6 and my most anticipated game in a long 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 time alan wake 2 which i was like guess i'm just desperate to play it and then on a whim i also bought power wash simulator and guess which game i've been playing non-stop for the last few days uh I upgraded my computer massively and then I decided to play a game that could probably be run on an actual power washer. Uh, but it's really fun. It's really, really fun, and it's so mindless. You can just zone out and clean the RV or the, the helicopter or the house. Uh it's I really like it. <laughs> I really like it. I wouldn't call it a role-playing game, but I really like it. Um, so yeah, the new year brought me a new PC, but it has also brought me my first two guests of 2024. First up, we have Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Howdy. And we have Alex. Hello. Did both of you have a good holiday
1: season? Wonderful. Uh, time with the kids, playing games, got some cool artwork. Happy camper here. That sounds lovely.
2: Um, uh, mine was not quite as lovely. Um, my entire family, myself included, got COVID. <laughs>
0: that's the that's the lump of coal in the stocking of the holidays
2: yeah uh yeah so it w- wasn't the the most pleasant uh we're gonna have like a makeup uh celebration uh in about a month um uh, that's we're gonna awesome have our our proper like traditional polish food which we didn't make because we were too sick too and uh that, that, that's gonna be great that's
1: amazing what do you make
2: uh it's called uszkami. it's like uh like it's similar idea to like like regular borscht but it's like a concentrate uh, mm. and then we add to that, uh, pierogies, but instead of having like the regular, uh, kind of potato, uh, stuffing, um, we, uh, stuff them with mushrooms is the, the traditional way, like wild mushrooms. And it's, uh, it's quite delicious. It's like my, my favorite food in the world. Uh, and we only eat it once a year.
1: Something to look forward to, I guess.
2: Absolutely. Christmas is always a, a very, a very pleasant party at the, at the house for that reason.
0: And utter pandering to my guest, I will say that a few weeks ago I made dill pickle soup for the first time. Oh no way! Oh, I love pickles. That yeah. sounds amazing.
2: I don't think I've ever had pickle soup. Uh,
0: it's I it's it's Polish. I know that, um, and it is one of the strangest things I've ever eaten in my life. Um, <laughs> it's it's basically just well, it's it's a basic chicken soup. Uh Adam Ragusia on YouTube did a, did a uh recipe for it a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, wow, I love dill pickles more than anything. Surely this will be delicious. Um, and I bought some Polish dill pickles, and it's like I said, it's just a it's a pretty traditional chicken soup with like chicken and potatoes and celery, and then you and lots of potato, and then you shred a dill pickle, and you add the shredded dill pickle, and then you uh basically season it with dill pickle brine rather than salt. Mm. Uh, And then you uh, dice dill pickles into like a a fine mince and then you use it to garnish the top. And it is the closest thing I can think of calling it. It it tastes a bit like a sour cabbage soup, which is, which is delicious. I'm like salivating just
1: hearing about this thing.
2: (laughs) I'm going to have to talk to my mom about why, why we've never indulged in this pickle soup before
0: yeah i asked my friend susanna about it uh one of my best friends and she was like oh yeah we had that growing up but it was terrible i hated it more than anything and apparently (laughs) apparently her family's version of dill pickle soup was literally just they didn't bother shredding it it was just like a pickle in the soup (laughs) (laughs) and i was like that's that does not sound appealing on a on a culinary or a visual level really
2: <laughs> maybe my mom has similarly uh traumatic experiences <laughs> with pickle soup and and that's why we've never had it
0: just a massive kosher dill floating in the middle of a pot of chicken soup it's
2: just like how'd that
0: end up there hmm. i bet it tastes similar
2: to like
1: a kimchi soup my wife made kimchi soup recently and it was mm. outstanding um mm. but i mean kimchi's just pickled cabbage basically yeah it's spicy yeah. it was good
0: I mean, it was delicious. Don't get me wrong. It was strangely delicious. It was the delicious where I was like eating and I was like, this shouldn't work. Uh, but, it, <laughs> but it did. Um, it did. This had nothing to do with Christmas. Uh, but hey, why don't we move on now from uh, from slaying our holidays to slaying <laughs> the princesses? Well, oh. well played. That's, that transition though. First transition of 2024. And I feel <laughs> that it was pretty on brand for what the rest of 2024 is going to be. <laughs> um, so uh, Jerry, uh, you reviewed Slay the Princess and surely this is a typo. It, it's supposed to say, save the princess, right? Because that's what you do in every game. In every game, the point is to save the princess. Yeah. Yeah, you can use saver with a dagger. Wow, that's, that is that uh, is very <laughs> metaphorical. Um, okay, so this is a fascinating looking game. Um, that has been on it was it's been out for a few weeks now and kind of kind of looks like a little bit like a storybook which is appropriate because it's you know about a princess but it is a visual novel that takes a slightly different uh shall we say tact to the classic save the princess uh scenario um so why don't you tell us a little bit about the core concept of slay the princess so it's a
1: gameplay loop of endings. In um, a lot of games, especially narrative-driven games, you only know, you have this debate like, do the ends justify the means? Or is it more about the journey than the ending? Let's say you get a lackluster ending, but at least the story was told pretty well up until that point. This is a unique case where the game is the endings. Uh, the process to getting the ending is also fun, but every run's gonna take you about you know 20 to 40 minutes or so, depending on the kind of road you're taking. What you're basically doing is every time you start the game up, you wake up in the forest and your companion is the narrator, which is some omniscient being that's talking to you. And he's basically saying, go slay the princess. And then you have several dialogue options and you can say like, why would I do that? What's wrong with the princess? Uh, And then eventually he tells you, well, if you don't kill her, the world will come to an end. It's like, okay, how do you know that? And then it, like every question you could think of is basically addressed and they've thought about it and they're like, okay, you eventually end up having to go to the cabin where the princess is being held, which is a very quick jaunt up the hill. And then you go into the room and then you have the option of picking up a dagger, or not picking up a dagger. You go into the room and then you talk to the princess and then, you know, it's all dialogue branches. Mm-hmm. And depending on what you choose to say to her, elicits a different response from her, a different response from the narrator. So you basically have this three-way conversation going on. Princess can't hear the narrator. And then you have to decide what do you want to do with the princess? And there are a variety of options. And the game is much, much more um, in-depth than just the idea of slaying the princess because after you make these decisions, what happens
0: next? I mean, it sounds very... I guess philosophical would be the right word. Absolutely. And also it uh, subverts, I mean, just my joke off the top being like the point is to save the princess in every single game. It subverts that expectation just right in the title.
1: Yeah. And I think that's kind of the hook. It leads you in. It's like, Oh, we're turning this on its head a bit. And it basically just gets you in the door. And then once it gets you in the door, it becomes very philosophical. And it goes to some pretty interesting places because whether or not you end up killing the princess there's going to be a next chapter and you're a new person who has to do something with the princess and then the princess is a little bit different this time because you're basically picking up where the last hero quote-unquote left off and then the game just goes from there and it sounds like i'm spoiling a bit but this is this happens within the first 50 minutes or so and you're going to know pretty quick what the gameplay loop is but where does that gameplay loop end up going? It does go somewhere. This is not just a game where you're just getting like, oh, cool, an ending. Oh, cool, an ending. It does have a grand closure at the end. Hmm. And the closure at the end isn't necessarily like the end. It kind of leaves things open-ended.
0: Well, I like that you compare the endings in this game to something else that most games offer nowadays, which is collectibles. Everything's a collect-a-thon. Mm-hmm. So you kind of say that the collect- the collectibles in this game are the endings. Yeah. As much as I love a lot of traditional RPGs
1: where, like, you fight a secret boss or whatever and you get a really cool weapon. It's like, I just beat the hardest boss in the game. Why do I need a better sword? That doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense. And, like, these random MacGuffins all over the place, like, find the package or, you know, save all bunnies or whatever it is. This is kind of like, okay, cool. I like finding stuff. I guess that's kind of neat. But this game is, like, the endings. And there's so many endings. And you cannot get all of the endings in one playthrough which might entice you to do another playthrough. Now, the cool thing about this game is you might be thinking there's so many different ways that dialogue can spider out. What if I accidentally get the same ending and I just have to like click through all the dialogue game? Yeah, what a headache that is. The game is built so that you cannot get the same ending twice. So like oh, wow. those dialogue options just will not be available to you. Um, they'll be missing and you won't even really realize it just cause the games constantly give you like five or more dialogue
0: options. I wouldn't even say that's a quality of life feature. I just say that is a smart design choice to make. It seems like common sense, right? Yeah, well, I mean, there have been a lot of... I understand this game isn't really a time loop game, but there have been a lot of time loop games of the last uh, couple of years where, yeah, you kind of fall into the habit of, you know, getting the same ending over and over again. Uh, I'm glad they figured out a way to narratively subvert that. And it doesn't seem hard either. <laughs> so take note, visual novel developers. Yes, uh, true. I mean you recently well not recently before before Christmas had an experience with a visual novel style game that was quite a bit like that uh where it was you, you did fall into a lot of the same uh a lot of the same endings and it it became very repetitive uh, that was world of horror, I believe oh yeah, yeah, that was on a previous
1: podcast um i, I but that's an art game where like the ending's the same, it's kind of like rolling your eyes and all that, but the, the journey is more what that game's about. It's like a cool new thing you see. Unfortunately, the, there's not a lot of cool new things you can see. I think it's a mm-hmm. game that's meant to be played in five hours, not 15 hours. Whereas this game, I think you can play in five hours, and depending on how interested you are in finding the different endings or collectibles, if you want to call them that, Mm -hmm. Um, You you can definitely dive right back in. The problem with diving right back in after you get the quote-unquote big ending is that you might end up getting repetitive endings again.
0: Okay. You mentioned the narrator. To me, it seems like the presence of a narrator sets the game up for some fourth-wall meta uh, experimentation with narrative. Is that the case here, or is it played pretty straight with the narrator?
1: It's played pretty straight. Um, There's very little fourth-wall breaking, if any um certainly not in the endings i found okay so we're not in like i don't know if you played it but we're not in like the stanley parable area oh the, i love stanley parable oh, I think it's uh, such it a is not cool that game okay <laughs> it's i mean you're kind of arguing with this omniscient being i mean you could almost call it god i guess mm. um but you know who is the narrator
0: what is the narrator maybe you could find that out i don't know <laughs> mm. it will depend on how which uh which choices you make i guess which is the yeah. point of a visual novel yeah. um and it sounds like the game's writing, uh, especially, creates a very, I guess, immersive but also ex- heightened experience in the sense that there are a lot of stakes here. I mean, right off the top, that just the name of the game, "Slay the Princess," being a subversion of the expectation, that raises the stakes immensely. Yeah,
1: you're kind of like laying the groundwork for high expectations. Like, okay, so you're gonna, you know, twist this narrative a bit. Okay, impress me. Do something more than just, you know, the surface level. Save the
0: princess versus slay the princess thing. Yeah, we're—I mean, right off the top, we're dealing with questions of life and death, um and the consequences of your actions in what seems to be, based on what I've read, a longer-term thing. Like, if you—if you, if you don't—if you don't slay the princess, the world will end. I haven't played the game, so I don't know if that's true or not. But it feels like uh there are a lot of dark choices that you can make here.
1: Yeah, and it,
0: it, there's a lot of gray here. So, like. Kill the princess, Don't kill the princess. Seems pretty
1: black and white. And out of the gate, yeah, that's your black and white decision. But mm. as you start talking to the narrator, you start asking some whys or some hows, and how do you know this? Or why do you want me to do that? And you know, where have you? Where were you? You know, a year ago? And you know, what are you going to do after I do this? And it starts spidering out into more moral grays, where you're just like, okay, let's assume you're right. Let's assume the world will end if I don't do this. So you're making this sound like a good option. Why don't you do it? And things like that. Mm. So you start trying to address things in roundabout ways and you start trying to justify even yourself as a player. Like, you know, should, is it by my own hand? It's almost like the, the trolley problem. It's like, okay, mm. if i let the trolley go. It'll kill five people. But if I, you know, turn lever, lever it'll kill one person. You know, what is the morally correct thing to do? It kind of has you in that place, which is why this works so well as like a video game. Mm. and not a book and this is part of the reason why video games are great at storytelling is because like you're the player you're making the decision yeah the protagonist is and that's who that would be in a book you were reading but you as a player you've got to decide if you're gonna pull lever on that trolley and um even when you talk to the princess not just the narrator you're also talking to the princess and is she a princess is she who she claims to be maybe she is maybe she isn't and and, um i think it, it does a great job of putting the player in a position where you really
0: have to question your own ethics. Well, that's the interesting thing about visual novels, in comparison to, well, like you said, reading a book. Uh, you don't. There's, there's no such thing as reader agency uh, mm-hmm. when you're reading a book, unless, I guess, it's a really complex, interesting book. I don't know House of Leaves or something like that that experiments with narrative. But for the most part, when you read a book, you're reading it and you you're casting yourself in these roles and you're feeling the things. But you're a passive reader, uh, whereas with a visual novel. Yeah, it tells a story, a complex story with some excellent writing, but you have agency in developing that story and there are consequences to your choices. And it sounds like this game is inherently, well, this game is inherently built around the the consequence of your choices. Again, right there in the title, what do you do? Yep. Yeah,
1: that's absolutely the case. And I think that's part of the reason why it's so interesting is because even with a lot of other visual novels, you're for the most part on rails like you think of Steinsgate, what an amazing tale that is but for the most part you're kind of just reading a book on the computer there's very little choices you have you can get different endings and stuff depending on how you talk to people but a lot of that game is just strictly just reading clicking through the prompts this game is almost entirely forks you you, you decide this you decide this you decide that and that crafts the story and the cool thing is not just the ending but this game goes into some wild places Like, you're going to, I don't really want to spoil any of the endings, but you're going to be going to all sorts of places. And what happens to the princess, what happens to the narrator, what happens to the place you visit every time when you get a a new loop in the gameplay cycle, it's always going to be somewhere outlandish. And that's part of the addictive quality of it is like, Mm. I could do anything and it could go absolutely anywhere.
0: How does the gameplay work in this game uh, in terms of, I I know it's a visual novel, so it's primarily choice-based, but how is it presented? I mean, it's uh, dialogue options in the top right of um, the screen.
1: So you scroll down and you can see a whole bunch of issues. The the one big complaint I have about this game is um, if you don't know to access the accessibility features, which is in the options, which you have to go through a variety of menus just to get to it, um, it's going to be very taxing to go through all the dialogue options because sometimes you're going to have like more than 10 options and the text is really big and mm. you're going to have to scroll and the way it scrolls is it kind of speeds by so you might think oh what if I missed one and sometimes the new dialogue option is nested in between two. Older options or between five different dialogue options. So you could get lost. Like, okay, I want to keep following this tree. Where's my new dialogue option? That's a quality of life feature this game desperately needs. But what I would suggest to new players, if you're thinking about picking this up, is first thing you do when you load this up, go into the accessibility menu, find it. Don't do anything until you find it. Make the text smaller. It's going to make your life so much easier and make the game more enjoyable because having yeah, to mean, sift through all this white text on a scroll wheel that's
0: large is you're going to get lost and you're going to get frustrated. I can see that like it's cut off there. Uh, you have a, mm-hmm. you have some screenshots on the in the review and uh, it's cut off on the uh, the fourth option. Yeah. So you'd have to scroll down for there. That is that is frustrating. Yeah, I can see how. And that's I mean, the accessibility option to make the text smaller is a way to deal with that, but it seems like it's a, it would be a fairly easy UI, it's it's a UI issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like a little clickable in the top left,
1: you're not going to miss anything. If the little, you know, adjust the, you know, have a little magnifying glass or something, you could adjust the size of the text. I mean, this this game is not a technical marvel by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) It's pretty bare bones. It it is what you see. It is. Um, Mm. it, it relies almost completely on the writing. The visuals are also quite good if you're into the art style. It's kind of sketchy. Um, not like shady sketchy but like it's like hand-drawn i was about to say that you're playing a lot of games with black and white graphics lately yeah um which is fine um it's just kind of my thing i'm actually sepia is really cool um mm. road warden i'm just gonna you know name drop that game again that is a beautiful game i recommend that to anyone another great narrative driven game but in this game like it is entirely the writing so it's indie in that sense like you're not getting any bells and whistles. There's no cool like you know menus to navigate. There's no animations or visuals that are going to awe strike you. But if you look at some of the screenshots that are on the website, I mean, this is beautiful black and white hand-drawn stuff. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look all that elaborate, but so much is told with this very simple art style. Um, and I think that's also something that needs to be praised is there's a lot of personality and character in the simplistic. A lot of modern games will rely on, you know, very technical graphics, lots of polygons, things like that, uh, ray tracing, all that, which you know has its place, and those are absolutely fantastic games to look at. But a simple style like this, just still images that you could tell someone you know labored over with a pencil, is there's there's so much charm there.
0: Well, that's exactly the word I would use. Actually, charm. It's it's like I said off the top. It it looks like a fairy tale. It looks like a storybook, uh, mm-hmm. which is obviously riffing on the idea of the princess. And yep. I like how the very central conceit of the game subverts the art style in the sense that yeah storybooks are usually have happy endings because they're fairy tales well if they're written by disney anyway um whereas this clear i mean your first screenshot has the princess dead obviously for a <laughs> long time on the ground so clearly happy endings are uh i guess i guess your, <laughs> i guess happy endings are your decision uh to make um how does replayability come in here because obviously I, I really enjoy visual novels as a genre, but not a lot of replayability in a lot of visual novels because once mm-hmm. you've, there are obviously different, uh, different paths to take, but once you've seen most of them, that's kind of the end of that. Um, yeah. what about this game?
1: I mean, it's the endings, right? It's the, the yeah. collect a with the endings. Um, and then you'll get a, a big ending, but you could get a different big ending depending on the choices you made um again i'm so tempted to spoil i will not spoil Mm -hmm. but um i mean the big ending is really satisfying and cool because all of your decisions up to that point lead to this big outcome and you're just left wondering what if i did things a little bit differently what would this big ending have been so it's not just the sum of its parts it's not just you know this big ending you're getting at the end it's also like okay I get to see this cool little thing. What happens to the princess? And I know it's going to lead somewhere grander. And it's really going to like make me say "WTF!" Like, mm. <laughs> what is even happening? What is going on? I'm I'm confused, but I'm also very curious. And that's another important thing about this game. Is it on the surface, like kill the princess, don't kill the princess? It seems kind of mindless, right? Yeah. But it it like lures you in and before you know it you're you're having philosophical questions and his writing is so well done you're left just wondering like oh my god like <laughs> what have i done with existence and all this other stuff <laughs> so it, it, it's really playable if you want to like put in the time to get all the different endings but once you get the big ending you have to be careful with the choices you make in the next playthrough because you could accidentally get
0: the same ending you got before which is kind of a bummer i mean obviously the visual presentation is what really catches your eye here but uh i'm curious about the audio in this you mentioned that the uh, voice acting is uh fantastic yeah i think part of that's because it's a small cast Mm
3: -hmm.
1: so i'm not like an expert on developing games or anything like that but i feel like the less voices you got to capture you can afford to hire some better talent
0: Uh and then
1: you know you don't have like eight voice actors and five of them are great and the other three kind of bog things down um, this is just everyone's doing their job well. And um, the narrator absolutely steals the show. Um, every line he delivers is fantastic. He's a joy to interact with. Um, and the music is great too. I, I listen to it on my Spotify account. It's on my playlist. And uh, every time it comes up, I, I remember the game. And I'm always smiling. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. It brings me back to you know that particular um, ending I got. Which actually depending on the endings you get, the game will develop a soundtrack for you based on your playthrough. So it gives you a link at the end. It's like, okay, these are all the songs that you were able to access in your playthrough. Here's your playlist. Enjoy. So you could cheat, obviously, and just listen to all the tracks on... Spotify account online, or you could just use the link and access your songs, which adds a little more personality to it. It makes it more personalized as part of your journey.
0: I like that. Adaptive difficulty is nice, but adaptive soundtracks, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, it's, it's a simple idea, but I don't see anyone else doing it. Yeah, it sounds like they're doing a few things. Like, obviously, the presentation is very simple. Uh, you know, the black and white, uh, almost pencil sketch storybook drawings. Uh, On the surface, this does not look like a complex game, but the flowchart that must have been required uh, to map out the branches and the forks in this thing must be uh, immense. And it sounds like they really put in the work when it comes to the audio design uh, as well. Yeah, and actually, uh, I I gotta
1: give a lot of credit to the developer because uh, back when Neverwinter Nights was like the new thing, I actually messed with that dialogue editor and i was Mm -hmm. making my own scripts for little little scenarios i was doing and it is mentally taxing to just keep everything straight put in the right flags like okay um, this spider's out here but it can also lead to this thing it is it is i wouldn't call it a chore but you really got to be aware of what you're doing and make sure everything's cohesive and makes sense so um the fact that it's done so well here because in a lot of games it's not always done this well um you'll get accidental repeats or you'll get like dialogue loops where like you end up in a circle like oh they messed up here um they i didn't see any of those in this game so it's absolutely well designed and they take everything into consideration, not just the writing, but also the music and make sure the music fits that particular ending. So you'll get music that's very similar stylistically, but depending on what ends up happening, um, you'll get music that is catered towards that kind of outcome. Um, again, trying to avoid spoilers here, but yeah. um, it, it is it is a unique experience and it feels unique to you. So you know, you and I could play the game and get entirely different endings and have a lot to chew on if we wanted to talk about it just because it's like, oh, I didn't think to do that. I wonder why that led to that and all this other stuff. So if, if you're playing this with a friend,
0: there's so much to chat about. That's interesting to know because this might be a fun game to play, uh, quote unquote, with Amanda. Yeah. I'm just going through the website, their website right now. Uh, Black Tabby Games is the developer um mm-hmm. and uh this is first off hey uh i didn't actually realize apparently it's canadian <laughs> apparently the developers live in toronto uh I, that doesn't mean that they're canadian but uh i'm going to i'm going to take it as canadian um and there are two developers and they're uh a husband wife team um so two people and what a and I, team they are <laughs> yeah two people and uh are responsible for this. Uh and there are also there's another game coming out. I guess part of it already came out called Scarlet Hollow. Yeah, it's episodic. Yep. The first two parts are out already. Dom's been reviewing it, yeah. Yeah. Uh but I guess more is coming out soon. And yeah. it's uh it, it's a it's a very, very pretty looking art style. It's definitely different. Like you could tell it's similar, but it's
1: got more color to it for one. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's got a lot more people. In it, um, it has, loses some of that sketchy flair, but mm-hmm. it does look beautiful. It's very well detailed, um, and it's well received so far. Yeah, Dom seems to
0: like it. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, one of the things that you say in this, which for you this game almost reaches legendary stat- status. Status, <laughs>
3: uh, you say.
0: Uh, you still gave it an editor's choice, which I actually approve of. It's funny. I think some people think the editor's choices are only for games that are over a ninety. I disagree with that on every level. I think editor's Mm -hmm. choices need to be very specific to whoever the reviewer is. Like, whatever the score, it doesn't matter. If the reviewer loves it, they can give it an editor's choice. Similarly, I don't necessarily feel like every game above a 90 should get an editor's choice award. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've reviewed quite a few games over a 90 I've not given editor's choice to. And this is actually maybe my first 80s. Game, I gave an editor's choice to. I gave this one an 88. And I, I agree with you. I think, you know, it's very personal to the other. The reason I gave it to this game is, is so unique. Like, mm. I put a premium on innovation. If you could do something creative outside the box and do it well, this game does it certainly well enough. Um, I, I think it deserves recognition, um, which is why some games above a 90 don't get the editor's choice because, you know, if, if they're just kind of rinse and repeating what a lot of other people have done, it's like you made an excellent game. Just mm doesn't really move the medium forward. I think this is a game that can move the medium forward. It's certainly an exemplar of good dialogue options and good writing and good use of collectibles. It does enough things superbly well that um, I wanted to give it the
0: recognition it deserves. And I'm glad you did. Uh, And I think it deserves it from the sounds of it. Um, Mm -hmm. As a reviewer, what would you say is the most compelling reason to play Slay the Princess?
1: I mean... It's it's very unique to the person, which is part of the reason I gave it an eighty-eight, not like a ninety or higher, is because I don't think this is a game for everyone. And for me, a ninety-plus game is a game that I I think ninety-nine percent people out there would enjoy. Mm. Again, eighty because you know some people just aren't into the indie stylings. This doesn't have a lot of modern furnishings, and really, it is all about the writing. It is all about the philosophy. And if you're not like if if you're more into the action rpg stuff and i'm into that too but if that's like solely your genre you may not like this as much and i think you kind of know that just looking at the game this is what it looks like it is text on the screen good voice acting a lot of dialogue options um if you're into a more cerebral experience this is for you if you want something that's different Something that's gonna get you thinking, questioning your own ethics and beliefs. This is absolutely for you. I can think of no better game sitting here right now than this game.
0: I think that they should uh, they should appeal to that action RPG audience. They should just make this into a souls like nah. every single <laughs> every single time you enter into this place with the princess, she has a different like every fight, every single time you have to kill the princess is a different boss fight, uh, with completely different patterns. That actually is John. not the that's not the worst idea I think I've ever said or used about.
1: Well, uh, maybe that's the game.
0: <laughs>
3: maybe, yeah.
1: maybe you should play the game, Jono.
0: Maybe it's an emotion, an emotional souls like. Oh, that's a that's a fun idea. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Alex, do you have anything you would like to ask about uh, Slay the Princess?
2: Yeah, Slay the Princess sounds awesome, and um, I, I I I like was eyeing it uh, for a while now, and uh, I haven't checked it out yet, but. I love like games with like interesting different choices to offer and especially ones that have that sort of philosophical vibe where like you're almost being addressed on like a meta level as a player. Um, Mm -hmm. I love games that do tricks like that. So I'll almost certainly be checking it out at some point. Well, if you're, pursuing
1: a, a doctorate in narrative design or level design or video yes. games and how they change That's us me. if if you're that kind
2: of person alex I sure am I if you're that kind of person probably yeah. something that
1: should go in a textbook
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean uh, it sounds awesome I, I can't wait to check it out H- how long does it take uh per like playthrough
1: oh i mean every ending is pretty bite sized we're we're talking like no more than 20 minutes oh um, wow it's snappy, and then you could you you get one ending, you just stop playing, and you you know go do whatever it is you got to mm. do, and come back do another twenty minutes or so. Um, so it's pretty, it's yeah, it's it's as long as you want it to be though, because you could be pretty exhaustive with some of the dialogue options. It just depends on the tree you go, but it would never mm. be more than forty minutes for an ending.
2: Mm. Wow, unreal! That's a that's a really unique and, and cool format for a game to follow.
1: Especially nowadays, you know, people are liking smaller, smaller games, so it kind of like fills that niche as well. Oh, small games
0: are so good
1: I,
2: I certainly love small yeah when i when i look up how long to beat and i see something under 10 hours it is not uh, detracting at all that is a selling point for me nowadays
0: yeah
1: yeah it, for us old people yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not just a matter of that there is a genuine at least for me i keep track of every single game that i play and yeah 110 hour games are great But in the time it takes me to play 110 hour game, I could see the numbers go up by like five or six games if for little tiny ones. Uh, And numbers get higher on my games completed in 2024 list always feels good. Well, I think when you get a shorter game, you know
1: that there's no filler. There's no fluff. Mm -hmm. I think when you're playing a game that, you know, goes past 20 hours, there's a risk that there's padding. There's a risk that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not all meaningful quality content. They're kind of just like, they're going for the crowd that wants quantity, not necessarily quality. But if this game's less than five hours, um, you you could be
0: pretty sure if it's a good game, it's all good. Well, uh, thank you very much, Jer, for coming on and talking about Slay the Princess. Um, Yeah, I I mean, having you on the show is always a delight, Jerry. And I think we're going to move on now to uh, a game that is, okay... Slay the Princess seems like it is narratively complex, but at least it seems like it is somewhat, you can explain it to me and I go, oh, that, I understand this narrative structure. Planet Leica, which is a game that Alex brought to me, uh, I, I've read your review several times, I've read the Wikipedia article, I've watched a little bit on YouTube, and I am still baffled by this thing. It might be one of the strangest things I've okay, well let us let's, let's break it down a little bit. So uh before we start everything, uh one of my favorite things in the whole world with working uh, working at RPG fan is when someone uh brings something to me that I've never heard of before. Uh I, I like to have like I have a I have an open door policy about pitching me reviews. And it's if you have an idea if or a game that you want to review, bring it to me, we'll talk about it. Uh Alex, you brought to me a game called planet Leica, um and you mentioned that it had a recent fan translation the fan translation was uh, released in 2022 it was obviously never released in the west i didn't need any more convincing aside from that because it sounded fascinating and you mentioned quintet um and i think looking at this game and looking at reading your review i think i have a fairly clear picture of why this game was never localized for the west um and probably never will be but uh let's talk about the development team behind this so uh most people listening to this podcast are probably (laughs) very familiar with quintet quintet was a a remarkably innovative and creative uh japanese action rpg developer uh on the super nintendo system they developed act razor uh which was a wonderful uh a uh, hybrid of a side-scrolling action game and a city builder at a time when hybrid games like that didn't really exist. Uh, they also had an action RPG trilogy for the SNES, two of which we got here and one of which we didn't. Uh, Soul Blazer and Illusion of Gaia are probably very familiar to everyone out there. Terra probably is <laughs> I, familiar. I played too, the whole thing and still played it, it, but Because here in here in the far west, we never got it. It was given a European localization uh release which i think drives all of us crazy and makes a lot of giggle because a lot of missed a lot of missed a lot of games uh but uh but uh europe got this one um and then you know for a lot of people at that point that that was quintet's golden age those are the games when you think quintet and after that they went on to some license games they really kind of lost their individual voice but it turns out they didn't lose their individual voice. They just, pardon the expression, they, I think they just blew all of their individual voice on planet Laika. Um, what,
3: what?
0: What is this? <laughs>
3: <laughs> and probably never will be. Yes. Yes, please tell us
0: please tell us the simplest version of the plot you possibly can.
3: <laughs> this game is Planet Alex now. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.
2: Yeah, good question. Um, so it's, uh, I guess, ostensibly an adventure game in the way it kind of plays um, and just like it, its overall like gameplay mechanics and the way you move about the world. Um, I, I guess first I should maybe explain the, the premise of the, the story and kind of how that l- l- leans into the gameplay. But so, so basically, be- <laughs> So basically, um, you begin the game uh, with a crew of astronauts. You control one of the astronauts uh, named Laika, although you also get to name your character. So there's immediately some sort of disconnect of just like, OK, is my character Leica or is my character the, the name I just gave them? Yes, exactly. Uh, but you're sent on a mission to Mars. Uh, you're a bunch of astronauts. Um, And you're basically sent on a uh, a mission to investigate the emergence of this force called evil mind, which is um, starting to uh, spread out throughout Mars, which has been colonized by humans, and and the Martians that have been there have been uh, eradicated. Um, And also this evil mind force is starting to seep its way into Earth and affecting the way humans uh, exist and, and feel and live their lives. Uh, also, by the way, um, the thing that uh, made the Martians extinct is that the humans uh, gave them their faces. Uh, the, the exact conflict between the Martians and humans is pretty vaguely um, explained. Uh, it's it's not really certain whether the the Martians were initially hostile, whether whether the humans were initially hostile, or what exactly happened in the the lore of this world. Um, but. Uh, once humans gave Martians their faces, uh, the Martians immediately became extinct. And um, there was this basically giant face built on Mars in supplication to the, uh, to humans and human identity and human faces. Um, and that's where this force called evil mind is coming from. So evil mind is somehow stemming from the extinction of the Martians, um, whether it's a genocide or, or what have you, it's not completely clear, but that seems to be what's implied. Um, and so now uh, humans are dealing with the consequences of this kind of psychologically. Um, and they also now have dog faces, by the way. So all the actual characters in the game, uh, whether it's the astronauts, whether it's the uh, like colonists on Mars, uh, they all look like dogs, like humanoid bipedal dogs. Um, So that's an interesting little aesthetic twist. Um, So basically once you land on Mars, um, you start uh, pursuing your mission, which is to find uh, why evil mind is happening, uh, which seems to be connected to a previous mission where an astronaut um, like went to Mars and started thinking that he was a God, he started becoming delusional. um, And that's kind of where you're, you're investigating this whole thing with your crew but very quickly into the game within the first hour, as you're exploring the first couple screens on Mars, uh, your, your crewmates start having well, these little Christ psychological, was episodes, I including like boring, um, their evil mind is immediately starts affecting everybody. No, uh, no, I want, this is, memories, I, this is, uh, please
0: um, continue Both
2: yourself and your <laughs> crewmates. A lot of trauma starts emerging. Um, you're, Taken to like a bunch of kind of like weird visual episodes, and also like accompanied by like really jarring uh, audio accompaniments, and it just creates this very almost like horror esque atmosphere, uh, along with kind of the um, the adventure gamey uh, gameplay you're doing. Um, so that's kind of the the main setup. Once uh, the game really starts taking off, once you reach um, the main kind of hub of the game, which is called the colony. Which is basically uh, where most of the the residents on Mars now are, and it's like looks really kind of like run down. It looks like it was kind of like an old prison. There's like a bunch of uh, like rusted buildings and dilapidated interiors and things like that. Um, all the characters you meet are kind of strange. Um, and uh yeah you, you start kind of trying to you, you lose track of all your crewmates and so your mission is now to uh, as Leica alone um find out what happened to uh the previous captain uh that came to mars find out the source of evil mind and try to track down uh your crewmates and uh the the other kind of main twist here which is kind of where the main adventure gamey puzzle-esque mechanics come in is that Leica actually is not uh, a single person, but is actually a conglomeration of three different personalities. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) feel free to stop me if you have any questions at any point, by the way. So um, there's three main types of evil that are all associated with uh, a color. So, um, and each of these evils is tied to one of Laika's uh, personas. So uh, all these personas are represented as their own characters kind of within Laika's mind. And once you um, gather enough of that type of evil by either interacting with NPCs associated with the same type of evil. So when you approach kind of one of the NPCs in the game, um, you're, you'll start like kind of emitting a color from Laika. And so that just tells you what type of evil they're associated with. So then you talk to them and then your, your evil points for that type go up. So uh, the red, uh, evil In times tied like this, to, I kind of uh, wish the podcasting was a more visual uh, green medium so the audience can see like, the look on my envy envy, right now, or
0: more accurately, the, the look on my face as so the gears were of, uh, slowly you know, turning in my head uh, as you were telling me the uh, plot of this game. Uh, so desperately so trying Quintet's to, love
2: of Judeo-Christian symbolism is david lynch would be appalled by this. And so once you have enough of a type of evil... Um, I, I can I, I, go to see, as someone who actually believes that the plot uh, of Like a has like a little sense, bit of an episode three, and then transforms the, fully the, most of the plot of Twin Peaks makes sense uh, their persona I, type
0: I, I, that I, I, this is, So Ernest is, is the red madness. persona like people uh, Yolanda talk is the about green big that, the green persona and they're all uh, kind of represented as completely individual characters
2: who, for their first game. Uh, have their own personalities and d graphics and sound was a completely
0: silent these things It seems like intent said okay we're going to do that but also, you aren't going to believe um, what we're so going to do doing So from there, you kind the of have to um, uh, use the feels, different personalities Based on what you to told me, and uh, looking at the game as well,
3: this... Uh, feels like to me and, more like um, from an there, indie game kind from of how today the game
0: works than it does uh, that, that's the from, basic it kind of adventure playstation game mechanic most of the time you're uh, just talking to PlayStation, uh Residents of the colony 1999 um, the game
2: moves fairly like, fast in terms you know of its progression you know how uh, uh, there's, clearly so there's like a lot of different that come back in the same way that x did when
0: the you know the nes um, generation and they're all like kind of really compelling and very like idiosyncratic it the last few years
2: just like a completely
0: chaotic polygon playstation was going for nintendo 64 style uh, um so, and saturn i guess uh, oh, yeah that, that's uh, art has really started to flourish again uh this would not seem out of place i like if i saw a game like this on the steam store i would be like yeah that looks interesting it's i, I don't even uh, per, personality imagination i'm not even sure what kind of what kind of effort would be required to create this kind of plot um and i do not mean this in a negative way by the way not even slightly uh, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, yeah,
3: very, very Lynchian in
2: nature for sure.
0: Mm. Yeah, it sounds like it's a very different narrative style than, uh, frankly, a lot of uh, other Quintet games. I mean, yes, Terra Terranigma, from my understanding, is a little bit more experimental in the the way the plot unfolds, and it deals with some very significant themes of uh, – I believe there's, there's quite a bit of uh, spirituality and religion in there as well. But Illusion of Gaia and Soul Blazer are much more conventional action RPG narratives – uh, whereas this well I mean this isn't actually an action rpg really it, it I, mean, I guess it sort of is the battle system is weird isn't it
3: mm-hmm
2: It looks like like just like the the way it looks and the way that kind of like dialogue progresses and the way that like the visuals and audio accompany each other, like it's all just extremely creative mm-hmm. and and always like just just like if you're the person who kind of likes to interpret um, like the fiction that they're engaging with, if, if you're a David Lynch fan, um, then then this has like so much like constant food for thought for you. Um. yeah the, the there is a battle system uh after all on on top of the adventure game elements uh but it is not um just a regular mm-hmm. kind of turn-based battle system that you'd find in most jrpgs of the ps1 era uh so it's, it actually kind of works in more of an mm-hmm. arcadey sense um so you encounter enemies on the map, the, the they're called phases, they're kind of manifestations of that evil mind force, um, and sometimes when you're exploring different parts of Mars, uh, you'll encounter a screen where they appear, uh, if you approach them, you will enter a separate battle screen, but again, it's not what you'd normally expect. Um, instead, you have uh, the current persona you're playing as on the left side of the screen, and then you have the phase on the right side of the screen, and it starts shooting these uh, evil mind bullets at you, which are uh, b- basically sent at your character to whittle down their, your, their psyche, basically your, your HP in this game. Um, so uh, in order to combat these evil mind bullets, uh, you have the, this thing called a mind core just moving up and down in front of your character. And you press the action button to push the mind core forward. And basically, what you want is to, uh, with that momentum it in mind of your mind core, try to make contact with uh, the bullets being shot from at you. RPGs. Um, so you push uh, the mind core uh, forward, uh, try to make contact with bullets NES as your mind core. And then you can hit the... Uh, uh, cancel bullet button hell style thing. Uh, recall your mind core Which is really an all interesting choice. I guess they put character. most of
0: their focus um, of this and game on
3: the as you're getting recalled uh, back. You can make contact
2: with any mind bullets you may have blocked because design. you don't have because total the visual design. Of this of the thing is, so it, it actually like has I been said. Quite fun. Like, it's not. I had a lot of fun um, with, with the battles in these games. So my Especially again when you compare it to Quintet's earlier work. Once you get the gist of how it very much fit into
0: the Super Nintendo pixel art. There is there aren't
2: too many battles in the game, which is beautiful. Like the, like, laser, I
0: was
3: the pixel art of, not Soul Laser, the pixel art of certainly uh, Illusion of Gaia. Uh, so and so I was Aranaid, looking forward to each one. I just, just wish just there was more up, of a challenge. Especially later amazing. in
2: the game, you get these really um, interesting, this aesthetically takes well-presented a very, boss fights. Uh, that I like, like. I, I said just, it looks like, like that, that are pretty epic. Actually, in the narrative interpretation of the PlayStation game, but the character design, everything from the dog faces. To the, um, oh yeah, uh, and on top of just like the, the, the regular evil mind pellets Mars that are shot, there are also it's like tiny pellets that are shot very quickly and that can be one of two uh, kinds. Again, I can see why this was localized because I don't think so it's that. The only way you can localizers at least localizers to contact uh, with these
0: recovery from this bullets. period in time. Uh, and the other would have known what to make uh, of
2: this type of special pellet basically is a a screen clear like you hit it and then it sends all of the bullets back at the enemy so those are like when you see them like you really want to make sure that you make contact with them so uh yeah really unique battle system unlike uh (laughs) and and any other really um i I wish they did a bit more with it but yeah there's a reason why
0: quintet did not make this on the nintendo 64 64. let's put it that way
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing, yeah. well the i guess the
0: inspiration of this game uh would have been i mean it's right in the name planet Leica. so uh for those listening who don't know Leica was uh the first dog in space one of the first mammals in space the russians uh sent Leica uh into earth orbit and uh with the uh, uh yeah that's with for the sure certainty and was um, just on top
2: of back, like the subject matter uh, because they that hadn't yet figured out how to like- side uh, uh like
0: uh earth's atmosphere abuse, at this point uh, so they sent for abuse, up, uh, like uh to see some be- of the, the to actually to see even like, if a I mammal could survive i don't know leaving stories leaving of the npcs are actually like very um, so like it was the nature. first dog in space they actually uh, the story is told in uh season two of um for all that Apple TV show that is absolutely just fantastic. But, uh, yeah, if otherwise seen it. what like if the story visual design, about, um, like I mean, what it, it, if the Russians got to the moon first? Spectacular, and like the actual game world itself. The like, Americans are like, oh hell no! To, so it actually um, super like energizes the space race like a uh, evil, in a way that it obviously is not in reality. Screen, but it's a terrific show uh, and it's a great alternate history. And there is a scene in the second season where we meet some, but the real highlights are when you're in and it's very very sad and tragic. So the fact that they are conversation taking the inspiration the NPCs, of that and you then get these like slapping dog really faces weird on renders, all of the humans i guess um, like, you could with, say faces it is or, like an homage to colors. humanity's first sin um, of and then space you just travel. have
2: like your characters talking like on top of them as like music is like changing according to like how the conversation's evolving it's just like an absolute trip and, and it can make like a mm-hmm. two-minute conversation just feel like uh um uh, just like a profound kind of narrative development that you can kind of and just food for thought and um yeah r- really really interesting stuff if if that sounds appealing to you
3: Hmm.
0: Obviously, the visual nature of the game is quite eye-catching, but what does the sound like? I mean, it's obviously working off a a PlayStation era sound chip, so I, I suspect it is not. Uh, it is a, a step above Super Nintendo, but not what we would expect today. But considering the incredible, up, almost absurdist atmosphere of this game, what is the audio design like?
2: Uh yeah, I mean th- that that's a nice way to put it. Uh otherwise like th- there aren't too many connections. It seems to be implied that like the astronauts are are Russians, like they're um yeah, they're they they have like a lot of like Russian names and things like that, but uh otherwise there aren't too many actual narrative connections with the story other than <laughs> I guess the fact that this this character like uh um has a has a pretty tragic fate turns out uh, but that's all kind of like slowly revealed throughout the game um, in an interesting way, and and I guess like uh, in comparison to Quintet's earlier work, um, which is usually narratively very world driven, this one's a bit different in that um, it's extremely yeah. character driven. Like the like obviously, there's a lot of other stuff going around with like the colonization of Mars and and the the history with the Martians, but uh, ultimately, like this is the Leica show, and and you're you're here to figure out what's wrong with this character uh what what is their background how do they connect to what you're seeing in this world is this like the game is called planet like us so it's like you're kind of left to think like is this actually like happening or is this just about like exploring the psychology of this character and uh um yeah there's a lot of surprises and, and interesting turns to to be experienced
0: what i find very interesting about this game obviously like i said was not localized. I can see why, but the version that you are playing is a fan translation and fan translations are, uh, an interesting phenomenon. We had a whole episode of retro encounter on essential fan translations, which I, I was, uh, it's, was it's really, weird. So it's it's, it's all episode. over the place. Um,
2: um there's yeah. like tons uh, of different kind of flavors. One of, of the tracks, things like- that the one of the things that really uh, music that plays like when you're in the colonies, about fan kind of translations like, is how um, I guess when the uh, company kinda like, kinda localizes
0: um, a game like, when they like obviously a jazzy they hire a localizer little they are the uh, ones they read kind of the entire script has, like, and a they make of, like, sure a mystery, that that localization that that plays into, like, interpretation of the story to like, what the hell is, going is in alignment on with what they want to present and they may change certain things because of cultural context or because it doesn't quite work in English versus Japanese in the case of a fan translation or uh, the fan has to make those uh, decisions. Like, the translator, and yeah, kind of though more they are skilled, ext- can be extraordinarily like, uh, high quality, uh, and in and some cases like, better than the actual like, translations. Like, weird Oftentimes, the fan interpretation um, so of the story though, like, can tremendous impact. the music
2: of this game, uh, like it doesn't have like the story is uh, taken the bangers by players. In this particular like, case, orchestral orchestral with this level of absurdity and like other. Uh, symbolism PlayStation and games in from case, like spirituality. Uh,
0: composers like Nobuo uh, how would you rate Horses the down. job that the localizer? Um, the you fan are getting like this
2: game, very interesting uh, stuff that's always well contextualized. Um, so even though this OST, uh, it's not something that I'd probably listen to outside of the game. Uh, within context of the game, it's it's virtually perfect and it's always amplifying the mood and working with the visuals uh, in, in an interesting way.
3: Mm-hmm. yep mm. yeah that was a great episode mm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So no
0: point is any character like evil mind <laughs> like a tiger. <laughs> okay, well Uh, Even after this conversation, watching some footage on YouTube, reading the review, uh, I'm still baffled by the existence of this game. It is is a video game that... I can't imagine had yeah, a tremendous so that, that, amount. Yeah, that's a very of, fair point, uh, and, and fan differ wildly in Really does accuracy, seem like it was created with art in mind, rather than a commercially
2: acceptable story. The game, like um, the although it does tell, like you said, an excellent story with some excellent aspect of the enjoyment I got out of it. And, uh, so ultimately, like I was the story of this game, hundred. Uh, because I thought it was one of the lots most of other interesting things. narratives I've but ever I'm seen curious, in a video game, and as the writing just constantly a memorable like me. and very distinct um, gaming so, experience. Yeah, I mean, credits to, what, to what the made translator, like the work uh, for Cogden, uh, Clearly, they must have some sort of familiarity with psychoanalytic theory, uh, at least as much as the original writers did, to be able to, to get through with all the kind of nuances in terms of the word presentation. Um, and uh, being able to like tackle the philosophical themes in a way that feels uh, evocative, translating. There there are also like references to um, Mm -hmm. like poetry, like poetry of like William Blake is referenced at some point. So I I imagine that this uh, translator is is well read to be able to get through all this stuff and and make it feel like it felt legit. It felt like a very well thought out and well presented uh, script.
0: Let's just put it all out yeah.
2: right
3: there.
2: <laughs> yeah. No 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 little tricks like that or or woolcisms or or anything like that.
0: Mhm. It's kind of sad. Uh, when you look at, I've read a little bit about Quintet and the history of Quintet. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the reasons why in this age of uh, remakes and remasters, we got a remake of Act uh Renaissance in 2021. But uh, Soul Blazer, Illusion of Gaia, and Terranigma have not, and certainly not Planet Laika. And apparently that's because uh, not a lot of people... The right the the rights to republish the games are apparently very,
3: very um, mixed. It was up really just came down to Quintet everything about folded the, the presentation um, and, of the game, like the audio uh, visual doing presentation and how really it. Really forgettable matched up with the, the uh, writing forgettable and, and, and in ways I've games. been describing. Um um, Which is a, it just just made like massive every tragedy?
2: I believe couple minutes of this feel like they were, doing, some, like I, I they were doing something that something nobody else think was about. doing, I was and I'm not engaged. just talking about. Uh, and I was just staring in awe at my screen of just like the the originality and, and yeah, the I, know. The and I mean you brought technically here. Technically I, Square Enix would like th- have the this rights was basically as we discussed last. Tarnic. Real Nimbus. creative effort. and yes, I wonder if they almost so they were all published by the same publisher. Had
0: Enix pre kind of had no
2: more interest in making a. Commercial game, they're yeah. just like, we're so, just going to make the most? Theoretically, uh, they could be could, released, but I don't, yeah, I don't know if they ever will And I, I sincerely doubt this think will
0: think be. It's, of of, it's one of the reasons um, we only did that fan translations uh, I think of games that like probably are else going like to see that. an official um, localization. If you want to play a PlayStation I really want to thank you for bringing this one to my attention because makes the most. of the fascinated by it. I don't think I understand it, but I am fascinated by it. Goes all out in terms of creativity. Like, check really cool This is this is
2: something special.
0: i uh completely understand all right uh well i really want to thank you both for coming here today and talking about these games uh being here for the first episode of 2024 uh with two extremely unique games that are (laughs) very narratively unique uh in very different ways obviously but I want to pivot for a sec to our discussion question. And last week or two weeks ago on random encounter, we did our looking ahead to 2024 episode, uh, which I'm very proud of. I always love recording the looking ahead episode. It's just us geeking out uh, about Mm. what's uh, what's to come and speculating, but I wanted to ask the panel here, uh, as a discussion question, what you are lo- most looking forward to in video games in 2024? Now we were talking about specifically the games that were coming out, but I wanted to know uh, it can be uh, what you are looking forward to. It can be a game, or it could be like an event. That's it can just be a such humor, a sad way to anything go. Anything at all, anything with, that's coming uh, out. Yeah, uninspired license uh, Alex, how was, about you? What would uh, what are you most looking forward to in
3: 2024? Uh yeah, I think so.
2: Planet Like also Enix oh. published. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. I played the whole thing and uh, I'm still not sure I understand it. So I'll probably revisit it one day though.
3: Mm -mm.
0: It's so funny how uh, Konami has uh, historically released some astoundingly amazing games over the years And now they're just like, ugh, I don't want to give these people a cent. Um, And understandably so. That being said, they have done a very good job in the last few years uh, with their re-releases and compilations. Um, And to their credit, they're not just money grabs. like They're actually doing a fairly good job of repackaging these older games in a nice shiny new wrapper and updating them and things like that. The interesting thing about this is... I feel like it's it's halfway between a remake and a remaster. It looks like it's using the same original pixel art sprites. Yeah, but it so, does look like it's widescreen. Uh, and they to
2: are obviously it's what in. is. Probably HD now, so they're going to be greatest the greatest shame and things in terms like of that. classic um, RPG blind spots. The localization the is the thing that has me the most worried Suicoden because one and two. Uh, Konami hasn't um, done this and for a while. Uh, I don't think yeah. They haven't really. <laughs> they've been on uh, my uh, 2 playlist for new. over, over um, a decade now. I did now, read that apparently they're looking like at remastering Metal
0: Gear Solid. or doing a remake of Metal Gear Solid, which I'm sure will go over perfectly
2: with everybody being incredibly supportive considering that they're probably looking to decide, asking a certain I heard that the the translations were kind of the the worst aspect of the original releases. So the idea of getting these games uh, with with a more proper localization, uh, I was like, okay, I guess I can wait a couple more years. So, um, yeah, I I mean, I'm not looking forward to giving Konami my money, but uh, I am really looking Mm. forward to finally experiencing these games, uh, especially 2, which is considered still widely one of the greatest RPGs of all time.
0: Yeah, I think it's a long road, and I think for them to, I think for them to redeem themselves, they're gonna have to make something new, and it's gonna have to be good. And who knows if that's ever going to happen? But in the meantime, getting these remasters is not necessarily a bad thing. So I hope that I hope that it is for both your sake and actually more for Zach's sake than yours. I hope these are extremely good
3: remakes. Jer, how about you? Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> yeah
2: i mean uh just this year alone we might get uh remakes of slash remasters of metal gear solid 3 silent hill 2 and Coden 2 which are arguably the three of the most beloved games konami has ever made so i mean as long as they don't completely screw any of those up maybe they can buy back a a little bit of goodwill um but uh it's, it's a it's a long road for them at this point
3: yeah
0: i mean the obvious yeah i would say the obvious remake uh version of this would be to uh would be to do it in um, uh, HD 2D, um, which I don't think anyone would be upset about. <laughs> Although it would look pretty much exactly like Triangle yeah, Strategy, sure. but they I don't these think games anyone would it. be upset about that either.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm, this is a softball for me. I, I, It is no secret that I am in love with the Final Fantasy Tactics games, uh, specifically the original. Mm-hmm. And the remaster slash remake has been rumored for a yeah. long time since the NVIDIA leak or whatever came out. Um, and... Uh, you know, if I'm dreaming big, it's not mm-hmm. a remaster, it's a remake in the same style that Final Fantasy Seven uh, remake, not yeah. necessarily to that level. I mean, I don't think they would give that kind well, of budget. Mine
0: is, but I love remakes. The thing I love reimagining. I don't want to play the same in game over again. Footage. I want to twist
1: I don't think I want last something week new. I want
0: the is, uh, I want Nintendo's to next be balanced. console. you know, uh, I, I
1: like that sort of thing. A little twist on the story, yeah, would be cool, too.
0: I, I and mean, if I'm really dreaming big, I would love, I am only. Forty percent sure that they're the going to do it. I would not be surprised if they rode the switch train scary. all the way what into twenty twenty five. But I mean, it's it's done. So it's like, gone, that guys. You gotta like, that would be a dream. Don't, it's not a dream. matter of moving um, but, on. You know, I'll point. It's a matter of absolutely
1: in love with
0: and yeah, even a back in the car and driving again it. i think now, nintendo the original was creator, they always have this thing I'm where like, they have like big success um, kind of failure Twitter big success like, kind of failure big not really success kind of failure but and I while think that is that they're pretty damning evidence, that they might end up
1: with another uh, i'm uh, i i'm, a, I'm, I'm uh, an eternal and i would argue so that as so long as they would called switch U, they're going to be fine that got announced i don't even need it released. i just want
3: confirmation yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it's pretty popular. No. I mean, just... I mean, Eventually. I cannot believe it would just be a I mean, remaster. I mean, that maybe game... not. I know <laughs> Lions was, they fixed the translation and all that, but it had like performance. No more consoles. This is the kind of last console we're going to release. And by that, they don't I even mean that they're that going to stop game developing games. We're just going to be getting be Switch games for the like, next ah, 20 years. This, uh, I love this game, but I can't play it like this. Um, I know there's patches out there fixing all that, but
0: um, just I like, love it. I a, love it. coat of paint. I think a lot would be. I've been saying this for years that I think it's a no brainer to call this the Super Switch, the Super Nintendo Switch. It's it's
1: an Oh yeah. Yeah, but good here's good the answer. thing. And the reason why I
0: don't think they'll do it is because they're Japanese. And that sounded racist, let me give it some context. Um their their version of the Super Nintendo is the Super Famicom. They don't have the same nostalgia about the phrase Super Nintendo as we do. Um whereas honestly, if they wanted to boost sales in America, I think calling it the Super Nintendo Switch would actually boost sales because I think that people would recognize the Super Nintendo, they made a new one. Um I, I honestly think it would work. I think it's a good name too. But who knows? It might be called the Switch Pro. might be called the, what was it? The, the Switch. Um, I mean,
3: so, so I, kind of I would Switch. say like yeah.
1: there are companies in there that could be superstitious. Yeah, it's, I at think at think the same it's a great time, name. data is data, right? There's a trend, right? So whatever it is with management the executives oh, uh, this is also I'm not taking credit for this like
0: I came up with the career, idea but like I am one of out, many like
1: who came up with something uh, it Something happens every other So it's, it's online so it's, it's what the, I'm sure they have kind I I of house first we're like
0: okay like why is this happening but how do we anyway. make sure it doesn't happen So yeah really excited for that really hopeful it comes out eventually still 60% uncertain that it will Um what is certain however is that you Patrick are said. listening no more to consoles. random encounter <laughs> rpg fans and if you are looking for a way to support us we have a store uh you can find it at www.rpgfan.com slash shop yeah, maybe, maybe i'll uh, actually go to that link you're going to see two links actually you're going to be seeing one on the right oh, is going to be really an off idea to uh <laughs> Our merch where you can find like t-shirts and you can find mugs and things like that. We still have some of our 20, uh, 25th anniversary merch left, but it's going fast. So if you want to pick some of that, that Ooh, up, go there. Yeah, Ooh, sure. If you look over the to retro the left, fans, us thirty something old. a little bit Love different. That. And that is RPG <laughs> Fan's first book. Uh, if you listened to this podcast last week, uh, you would have heard it's Mike not. talk about it a bit. <laughs> it's available at HyperPlay's website. Uh, it's a collaboration with yeah. HyperPlay RPG. And it is a review card collection. Yeah so Mm -hmm. it is a showcase of nearly 300 review cards if you ever check our social media you know that steph does these incredible review cards which are basically summaries of our reviews we've been doing them for a few years now uh and we you know they were bound into a book and it's a terrific book. I just got my copy. I had an advanced copy and it looked good. The real copy is way better than no, that even. John, I'm, I'm not just saying i very impressed you, by like, it. I, I get, love always that. get a charge yeah. of seeing I, my name. I'm going to steal that review tell people. in a book uh, um, it, because the I'm a super switch, the super game switch. fan of the 90s. Uh, so yeah. I think it's I, a brilliant idea. Like not just you, because, oh, I, I highly Apple, recommend like, you buy it. if you don't buy it, I recommend you go to the site and check it out because it's just a really cool looking thing.
3: Okay. all right, all right. Hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's, uh, there are some great reviews in there too. And um, many of them are uh, specific ones just for the book. Like we don't have review cards for them. Uh, They were never posted. They were made specifically for this. So really, really cool uh, thing. Uh, I know Mike is super proud of it and he absolutely deserves to be. So absolutely check that out on the website. you can also check out some of our past episodes of Random Encounter, and uh, if you want another look look forward at 2024, you can check out our last episode, because that was our our big looking ahead to 2024 episode. Uh, we are not the only podcast on the site, however. We also have Retro Encounter, which is RPG fans' podcast of many topics that looks at retro things. Uh, and last week was our, I guess it was our companion podcast of the looking ahead to 20. 24 episode with Retros looking back at 2023. Uh, Really, really good episode. I was on it, had a really, really great time talking about some of our favorite games from the last year. And it's not the most recent episode. The most recent episode is talking about Super Mario RPG. So if you are a fan of that, if you played the remake uh, a few weeks or months ago, check that episode out. We also have Rhythm Encounter, which is RPG fans music podcast. And I think last week was a super fun way to start the year. Uh, Mike and Hillary did something a little bit different and they made Rhythm into a call-in radio show, which uh, is really, really fun. So check that out. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us here at Random Encounter, you can fire us off a message at podcast at rpgfan.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Uh, if you have ideas for future episode topics or discussion questions, like, you know, just Please fireball. We'll to talk that. about our long show. I think it is. A uh, cool if you'd like to send me something personally, you can do add jloganrpgfan dot com. You can so also you're like me literally on holding a book. John at from a Mastodon place been social. I mean, you're uh, I am not the only person on here with a online presence. Jerry, where can we find you online? Yes. And we're going to let that pass without comment. And Alex, where can we find you online? Cool. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends to help us get the word out there. You can also rate us on iTunes or your other podcast players of choice. And please leave us a review. Uh, Alex, uh, Bob, sorry. Alex, Jer, <laughs> son of a bitch. I- what's what's even better than that what's even better than yeah i almost got through what's even better than that is uh i was looking right at your i was looking right at your display name right here and i was like okay you can't okay that's not the name you can't say Bob, and then i just went with the second half instead of the first one Ugh. anyway um okay uh <laughs> Well, anyway, thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's the first one of the new year. I think this is a really good way to get it started off. And, and uh, to everyone out there listening, I hope you have a wonderful 2024. And whatever you're playing, have fun.
1: Uh, You can reach me at bob at rpgfan.com. That is my email address. Happy to chat with viewers or readers all the time.
2: Uh, Nowhere, but you can email me at alexfranichek at gmail.com. <laughs> but you gotta keep that in <laughs> That
1: was great right at the end
3: <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Bye.